morning, St. Michael's, please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today. And we pray that as we walk through this Lenten season this year, Lord, that you would meet us where we're at. That you would open our ears and open our eyes to see your presence, to see you do miracles, to see you move mountains, and to break down the walls in our lives, Lord.
I did not tell them to sing that song. But that is my sermon today. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you got a funny sense of humor. <laughs> it's just perfect. This is exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Even the, the, the lessons don't even necessarily go to this. No, the service is not shorter. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> anyway, so glad to have you guys here. This is our first Sunday of Lent. The liturgy is a little bit different, a couple of little changes, uh, and I'm just excited to be here. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, our Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen.
Pray together the Colette. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The children, come forward. If there's any in here. <laughs> Generally, this age is for ages four to, set, four to eight. And so this is for the Sunday school, but we'll bless any kids that come forward. Uh, Lord, thank you for them being here. Did your sister have a birthday yesterday? Yes, I heard all about it. Lord, I pray that you bless these kids, that you give them grace, especially as they go down to Sunday school, that your angels watch over and protect them and help them to have a great time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish. And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there. 
few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage upon us. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and he has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read responsibly by the asterisk. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look. And see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge. Even the most high your dwelling Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from Romans chapter 10. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your, in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord 
over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, but this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Let us open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we're thankful that we can come together again and to worship you. We pray, Lord God, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the words that you bring us today. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. Everything's changed. Well, the colors. Somebody remember to put the stole on the eagle over there. I don't know why we do that, but it adds a little color. This morning at the first service, I completely forgot. Almost threw me off. <laughs> But yeah, things changed a little bit. Liturgy changed. Uh, It's kind of a season of of repentance, you know, uh, uh, self-denial, fasting. Uh, I deny deny myself sugar in my iced tea. And so I have to, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing. It's a Lenten tea. Every time I take a drink, I'm thinking, oh, it's Lent. Uh, Because I want sugar in my tea, right? (laughs) I am from the South. Um, So 
there's a lot of things that we do. You know, uh, this week, just as a heads up, as the, uh, uh, the spring ember days, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday are fasting days, fasting and prayer. Uh, and so those are days, if you want to set those aside for that, it's noted in the liturgy. But there's a, it's a season, basically, of fasting and praying. On Fridays, we usually abstain from meat. Uh, meatless Fridays, we have, you know, fish, for some reason, is not considered meat. So we can eat fish. So I had poke bowl last week. That was pretty good. Uh, it's an expensive way to go, though. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a good season. And like I said, this first song and then even you know, a couple other songs in there, it kind of lines up with what I think the Lord has really been putting on my heart. And so I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And so I want to I talk a little bit about last week. Uh, last week, we, uh, the gospel lesson was about uh, the transfiguration on the mountain. Uh, the Feast of Transfiguration is usually August 6th. I mean, that's, for this year, it's August 6th is the Feast of Transfiguration. But every year, the last Sunday of Epiphany has the same gospel lesson. And, you know, Epiphany means a, a, an, an awakening, an a opening of our eyes, the lifting of the veil so you can see things you hadn't seen before. So it makes sense that the disciples saw the glory of the Lord for the first time, where they really they saw something. It's not that Jesus all of a sudden was given glory. That was glory that was there. Uh, I, I was thinking about how to word it. It's almost like that divine nature that he was always a part of him, because he's two natures, the hypostatic union, I think is what they call it, the, the divine nature and the human nature. The, the divine nature was kind of veiled, if, as it were, by the human nature, by the flesh that he was wearing. He wanted to walk among us as man. If you walk around glowing the whole time, it might throw people off. So maybe that's why. But this was an instance. It was the right time. And the Lord allowed the disciples to see his glory. Um, went up on the mountain. Here's the funny thing. And it would be, you know, it's kind of a foretaste of what's going to happen later in the week. <laughs> um, of, of Holy Week. Right, at the end of Holy Week. is when they get up to the mountain. And apparently the disciples took a nap. Jesus must have gone up there to pray. And he must have prayed a long time and they fell asleep. Same thing happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Could you not tarry with me one hour and pray? Well, apparently it's the same. It's a habit of theirs. They fell asleep up there. And when they woke up, there's these three figures that are all glowing, you know, shining white light, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And it's significant. And there's some things that, 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 that tie to that time. As a matter of fact, it's a... Uh, significant in that it shows that Jesus was the, the Lord over the, uh, the uh, law and the prophets, which Moses and Elijah uh, represented. Uh, it showed also that they're alive, uh, just on the other side of the veil called death. Um, but it also showed, uh, it was a testimony for Peter. And if you read in Peter, Second Peter 1, and Peter's describing the, the, the gospel message that he's been telling the people, and he says, verse 16, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, in Jewish law, an eyewitness is critically important. And he says in here, he says, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice, the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And here's the next phrase that's critically important. And so we have 
the prophetic word confirmed. The prophetic word that he was the Christ. This was confirmation. Now, Peter's had a rough few days, right? I believe you are the Christ. Heaven, you know, uh, God has revealed this because it wasn't flesh and blood. You didn't figure this out. God revealed it to you. And then a few minutes later, oh, Lord, you're wrong. You're not going to die. Get behind me, Satan. You know, and Peter's back and forth. And here he's back up here again. He gets, again, confirmation, revelation of who the Christ really is, this divine nature that was present in, in Christ. And this glory that they got a chance to see is important. Um, the other thing is, like I said, it established to the disciples the preeminence of Christ and his covenant over the, the Old Testament law and the prophets, and that it all is fulfilled in Christ. <coughs> all this comes together as they walk this out. But this was a significant thing that happened, and we talked about it last week. Now, here's the encouraging thing for us. This glory that God revealed on the mount is something that he has given to each one of us as part of this new covenant. This is the whole thing about that we are now made alive through Christ because of what he did on the cross for us. He paid the price. And he's given us new life. And he's given us his presence, his Holy Spirit, his glory for each one of us. And he talks about it in John chapter 17 when Jesus gives the high priestly prayer right before he goes to, uh, you know, and, and is arrested and, and crucified and then resurrected. But he has this high priestly prayer, which goes on for I think 14 chapters. Well, no, actually it's more like two chapters. But it's a long prayer, and it's all written down. And in the middle of it, John 17, verse 22, and it says, in the, and this is the Jesus praying to his Father, and he says, In the glory which you gave me, I have given them. And then he says there's some reasons why he does this in his prayer. You can read this. And he goes, That they may be one just as we are one. We can walk in the same unity that Jesus walks with his Father and the Holy Spirit because we have that same Spirit in each one of us. Every one of us has the same Spirit. If you're a believer in Christ, you were born again, you have that same Spirit. You can have the same unity. It's a tragic thing right now that the Russian Orthodox and the Ukrainian Orthodox are at war with each other. That's contrary to the kingdom of God. It's such a tragedy. And that's why we pray for the peace over there. And we stand for peace that they will come to their senses. But it's a difficult life that we live. And right now they're in the midst of a difficult time. I can't begin to even imagine how difficult it must be. I, last, yesterday I was just flicking on the channel as I was uh, not preparing for my sermon. <laughs> Uh, but one of my favorite movies was on, Dr. Zhivago, and all the stuff that happened at the end of World War II and the Civil War and the things they went through, the war, it was just terrible. And I just pray for the people over there in the midst of what they're in. But that's not the unity that God has for us. We should all be in unity as Christians, Orthodox, Catholic, Baptist even. Sorry, my background is Baptist, so I'm joking a little. But... We should all be able to walk in unity in essentials. In non-essentials, you can have a little, you know, it's okay to have. God allows us some grace. But in unity, in the essentials is so important. And God gives us all that spirit. 
Then he goes on and he says, this is again Jesus praying. And he says, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. This is this concept of the sanctification, being made perfect. We all have the Holy Spirit, that glory in us, that we can become more and more and more perfect, more and more like Christ. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, they call this theosis or deification, where we become like God or gods, small g, not capital. Where we become like Christ. This is that that theosis, that's that sanctification that we're walking through in our lives. Work out your faith. Uh, your salvation with fear and trembling. You're working this out, and I'll read this later. It says, but it's the Holy Spirit that's working in us, that glory, that presence of God in us that's helping us become more and more. It's not because of our willpower. It's not because we're so strong or smart or whatever. It's because of the work of God inside of us. And then thirdly, and that the world may know that you have sent me. There's a witness, a testimony with the, the glory of the Lord inside of each one of us, as we walk that out, we begin to reveal that glory to the world around us. They see something about us that's different. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's how the world's going to know, because they see in us the unity being made better and better and better. And then they see the glory of God in us. They see something Usually in the midst of suffering is when they see it most of the time. It says in verse 24 of John 17, he goes, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, gave me, may be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory. The Lord Jesus wants us to see his glory. Do you remember Moses? When he went up on the mountain, he was in the presence of God. He beheld the glory of God, and it changed his countenance. Now, we know that that, that glow faded over time. They had to put a veil over his face. That glow faded over time. That was the Old Testament. The Old Testament, I heard this preacher saying that they had grace back there. They experienced grace, but it was moments of grace. It was an inferior covenant. It was one that God set up. It, taught, it was a, to teach us and to prepare us for the new covenant. But it couldn't do the same thing that this new covenant does because of what Jesus did on the cross. That now we can experience more than just moments of grace. Now, our experience is that there's going to be days when we don't feel like it. But that grace is always present in our lives. Whether we know it or whether we experience it or remember Oftentimes we become dull in our senses and we forget. This is a season to remember the glory that is in us. In uh, Paul's letter to the second letter to the Corinthians, in chapter three, and this is this is what's going on. This sanctification. This is one of the my favorite scriptures because it talks about what's happening in our lives, and this is what our goal should be. But we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, it's the Spirit of the Lord that is changing us from glory to glory. That's the goal. That's God's plan for us to move from glory to glory, 
the same preacher, it was just hilarious. He's got such great visual things. He goes, you're not on a road from glory to glory where you could turn left or turn right. You're on railroad tracks. You can stop it. You can go backwards. But going forward, you're going from glory to glory. And I thought, I like that. <laughs> I don't want to get off track. I want to stay on the tracks. I want to move forward. I don't want to stop. I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forward to glory. I want to experience more of the glory of the Lord. That's what we were singing today. I want to experience your presence more than anything else. This glory is defined, one of the ways to define it is, the glory is the manifest presence of the Lord. <coughs> There's so many dimensions in His presence. There's so many things that whatever you're experiencing, you just got to know that there's always more. You're never going to run out. When you get up to heaven, you're not ever going to run out. You're always going to get more and more and more. It goes on infinitely. You're not going to get to the end and say, okay, that's all the glory. That's all there is. You've experienced it all. No, it's going to continue to grow. We can continue to become more and more like him. And this is this, this transformation process, this theosis that's going on. It's something that we need to desire in all that we do. Uh, one of the promises in uh, Haggai, and he talks about the temple, and the promise says, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And this is, again, that more and more that God's pushing us from glory to glory. We're becoming more and more like him. Uh, one of the promises that we always had, and I've heard there's churches that are called the latter rain or the latter rain movement, that the, the rain at the end, whenever the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people, will become the, the, the latter rain, if you will, will be like more than the former and the latter together. It's, it's going to be so great. And there's a lot of uh, prophetic words about the latter rain. And so that's something that, that God wants to do, and he wants to advance us. And the key, the key to having more of the glory of the Lord is to be a steward of what you've already been given. The key to increase in any area is to be a steward of what you've been given. One of the uh, scriptures uh, uh, in Matthew 25, it talks about the parable of the talents. And, it said the, and this is a parable that Jesus gave, and he says, and the landowner uh, gave to one five talents, and he gave to another two talents, and he gave to another one talent. And then he left. And when he came back, he had him give an account. And the one who had five had made five more. And he said, well done, that good and faithful servant. Go and, you know, actually gave him more authority, right? Now he's got ten. And then the one who had two, he came back and he made two more, had worked hard, had tilled the land, had done whatever, and he made two more talents however you want to call a talent. He said, well done, that good and faithful servant. But the one who had won, but I knew you're a, a hard and I was afraid of you, a hard man, and I was afraid of you, so I buried your talent in the ground. Here, you get it back. And he goes, what a foolish and wicked servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and earned interest. You didn't even do that. And he said, take it from him and cast him out. And he said, he give that one to the one who has ten talents. He said, to him who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This seems so contrary. Why is that fair? In God's kingdom, it is fair. Being faithful and steward of what God has already given you. That's how you get more. And this works in our, in, our, in our finances. It works in your life. You know, um, 
if you're faithful with the money and, the, and you, like it said in the Old Testament, and you give your first fruits to the Lord, God knows he can trust you and he can give you more. If you're not faithful, steward, then maybe your finances aren't going to get better. <laughs> this is the promise that God has given us that he wants us to have more. He wants us to experience his glory. He wants that increase in our lives. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and this is the last thing I want you to remember that, that's just, it's just important to remember that it's not our own strength. It's God that's working this in us. It's, it's not just that the, the, the guy who had five talents was so talented and hardworking that he got five talents more. It's that he used what God had given him, and he cooperated with the Holy Spirit and the Lord working in his life. In Philippians 1, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Whatever you have, you've got to know that God's given you that. And he started this work in your life, and he's going to bring it to completion. And then later on in chapter 2, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now as in my presence, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence? This is when Paul's talking to him about when he had done some stuff when he was there. Then he left. And when he came back, he's like, oh, my gosh, you guys did so great. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's something we have to do. But, verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's the promise that he's given us. If we just willingly cooperate. And this Lenten season is an invitation to cooperate with the process the Lord is taking us through. It's an invitation to willingly say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I lay down my own plans, my own ambitions, my own understanding. That was hard for me when I was younger. I wanted, well, it's hard now. I want to understand what's going on before I obey. But oftentimes, God says, just obey. I might explain it to you at some point, but don't worry about it. Just obey. That's hard, but it requires trusting in the Lord. In this Lenten season, don't be satisfied with where you are. Dissatisfaction can be a holy gift from the Lord. Satisfaction sometimes in the absence of revival, in the absence of whatever in your life, is the very thing that prohibits revival, being satisfied with where you are. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Always seek the Lord for more. Lord, what can I do now? What else can I do? Where can I grow? <laughs> Another sermon, a different one I listened to. I was listening to sermons this week trying to get ready. I'm trying to get the mind of the Lord ready. What, and one of the things is he talks about in Lent. <laughs> and he says, you need to pray and ask the Lord, where is it I'm blowing it? Where is it that I'm relying on my own strength? Where is it that I'm missing it? And he asked a couple questions in there. And I'm thinking, well, those are hitting kind of close to home. I don't know that I want to go there. You know, I don't want to know where I'm messing, you know. But there's this scripture that I've always, I memorized when I was in junior high, actually. 
It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And I've prayed that prayer over. And the, the youth pastor who, who taught this, and the reason it stuck with me, and he goes, now be careful if you pray that prayer. God's probably going to answer you. And you're not going to be happy because he's going to touch some area that you're trying to like, you know. Maybe it's an area of woundedness. Maybe it's an area of weakness. Maybe it's something that, you know, can you trust God in that area? And so I said, I better memorize this one. If I'm going to pray this so that when it happens, I'll know like, oh, yeah, that's right. I prayed that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The season of Lent is a season to seek the Lord, to press in. It's an invitation to go deeper and to to go glory to glory, to submit to the process that God is taking us through. He's got great things, not just for us individually, but even for a church. There's great things for this church. Just a few weeks ago I was preaching and I said, God's going to grow this church. It may change a little bit. Not a lot. But it's important to be willing to trust whatever God's doing. It's God's plan. He wants to increase. He wants to do something. I know that one thing that's... Bishop is trying to get... Change the railing up here. Partly because he wants to be able to get down the steps a little easier. He's having difficulty with his ankles and with his leg and his back. So there's going to be some little changes up here. But just trust in the Lord because he's doing things here in our lives and in our church. He's doing things in this world today, and we can trust him. Amen? Please stand. Thank you. Let us confess the faith of our fathers. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we begin our Lenten journey, let us prayerfully bring our needs and those of the whole world to our Heavenly Father.
for the church, that she will faithfully preach, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Lord, in your mercy, for missionaries, that they will have the needs of their mission met and their families protected. Lord, in your mercy, for governments, that they will administer justice and mercy to all their citizens without prejudice. Lord, in your mercy, for the grace and strength to resist the temptations that so easily entangle us. Lord, in your mercy, for a heart that rejoices in every good thing that the Lord has given us. Lord, in your mercy, for those who are overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, that they will remember the words of the psalmist and acknowledge that the Lord is their refuge and their strength. Lord, in your mercy, for the conversion of Islam and other world religions that are in opposition to the word of God, Lord, in your mercy. assured us that whoever believes in you will not be put to shame. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to confess Jesus as Lord of all at every opportunity. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Share the peace with your neighbors. Peace. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I've got a couple of announcements to, uh, to give you. I guess uh, it's my job up here to make sure that you're not in the dark about what's <laughs> going on here at church. Um, so as, as we mentioned, on Wednesday, the seasons did change, and you see the purple and all that around, around here. Uh, but some of the traditions that we have are like you might give something up for Lent. But as I was talking to Deacon Johnson this morning, on Sundays, it's known as a feast day. And so that thing that you gave up, you can have. So I had a great, I had a cup of coffee this morning. Um, I got sugar in my tea. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, what, what else? In the, in the liturgy, uh, we, it changed a little bit. The, one of the biggest things you'll notice because you're doing the responses is you don't say Alleluia during Lent, right? That's one of the things here. So just, you know, these seem like little silly things that we do as part of our traditions. But like we learn and like they're learning in catechism, some of the things that we do here in the physical world point to what we believe in and what we care about in mm. the spiritual world. So Amen. participate in these things. Amen. Enjoy them. And like Ed said, have a deep and uh, meaningful Lent. Amen. Amen. We want to pray for uh, a lot of our clergy have traveled back to uh, Georgia for a, it used to be called the Church Growth Seminar. I forget what it's called now, but something similar to that. But it's a big conference and 
Bishop Kessler and Father Jim and uh, Father Lewis and Deacon Jesse all went back there today, which is why they're not here. Uh, so we want to pray for them. Uh, <coughs> I mentioned the rail here for Bishop, but uh, three weeks ago I threw my back out. <laughs> and so I was looking for something to grab a hold of. So it's, it's a good idea to do a little rail up here. We'll, we'll, we're trying to see. Sam's trying to make that happen. Phil, do you think you need that rail yet? <laughs> you and me in the same boat, huh, bud? <laughs> saying too, uh, if you'd given up something and you can have your feast day, I know that uh, uh, my family enjoys uh, at least Kelly. I know enjoys. Uh, Girl Scout cookies. She's got those in the freezer waiting at home, right? <laughs> so, but if it's something illegal that you gave up, please don't, please don't, please don't participate with it on Sundays, okay? As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with Him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, with such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, right in thanks and praise. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks to Jesus Christ our Lord. For you have, give, you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of the passing world as to hold rather to the things that internally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim.
Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was entered, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us therefore proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and with all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Serena, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Denisa, Marielle, Giovanni, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You may add names of those you are praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As you receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy, worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, the prophets, with St. Michael and all thy saints. May we praise you in union with him and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the peace. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called to the supper. Amen.
send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, all evil spirits who wander throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. God loves us. God has forgiven us. God's not even mad at us. And God will never leave us or forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. I reach out and you find me in the dust. <laughs> yeah. yep. You say no amount of untruth can separate us. Let us go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. How will we rejoice in a simple gospel? How will we rejoice in you, Lord? How will we rejoice in a simple gospel? How will we rejoice? I reach out. Reach out and you find me in the dust. Say no mountain, say no mountain of untruths can separate us. I reach out and you find. Say no amount of untruth can sip a